Eight seconds left. Got to go to the end zone now. They have to go to the end zone now and hope that they either score a touchdown or they get it within eight seconds so they get another play. Three man rush and Young stumbles on the way back and fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Oh, <laughs> This is amazing. Crowd silent now, as opposed to when the Saints have the ball. Oh, look at this run. What a run. Marshawn Lynch. Still on his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way. For the touchdown! Ah. Minus three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. Dave Damashek here, Jeff Schwartz there. With no further ado, Schwartz, it's wild card weekend. We have a moment to spare. The Bills are giving six and a half to the Colts. Go! I am going with the Colts here, plus six and a half. But I also think we get a little wild and crazy. I think there's a chance that we're looking at the upset of the weekend here. If you're ever so inclined to throw a little bit of money on the Colts plus 240, go ahead and sprinkle a little bit of money on that. Money line, you know what? You and I are in lockstep shorts. I'm taking the Colts to go in there and beat them straight up. And how say you on the uh, on the game that uh, the caps off pro football's first weekend of uh, postseason action here? The Pittsburgh Steelers giving five and a half to the visiting Cleveland Browns. Go. I'm sure you you have no opinion on this game, so I'll make sure to talk about all of it for all of us. Uh, I like the Steelers here for picking a side. I love my favorite bet of the weekend is in this game, and we'll discuss that later. So my side of this game is the Steelers minus five and a half. I know it's the easy way out. It's a public play. I get it, guys. The Browns have lost 17 straight times in Pittsburgh. This is a house of horrors for them. They don't have their head coach. They don't have their left guard. That's a big mess. We'll, we'll talk about those two reasons in a little bit. Give me Pittsburgh here. All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers, too. Let's deep dive on all of those. First of all, like I say, it is wild card weekend. It's the most wonderful time of the year for a football fan unless your team didn't make the playoffs. I'm looking at you, Eddie Spaghetti there, your Giants, a valiant effort, but let down by their arch rival, Eagles. We'll maybe dig in on that one. I don't like to live life in the rearview mirror, though. I want to look ahead here. We really need a sense of normalcy, some weird stuff going on in our nation. How better to reset things and to give us that sense of normalcy than by watching the Pittsburgh Steelers vanquish the Cleveland Browns in a game of significance. It's not just for the people on the banks of the three rivers. It's for all of society. And if you've never tried FanDuel before, don't do it just because uh, your pal Dave is telling you to do it. It's because the playoffs are here. It's the perfect time to get in because right now new users are getting an exclusive 25 to one odds boost on any team to win during the wild card round weekend, 25 to one odds. That's low. Loco, like I say, Schwartz and I, maybe we're loco for uh, taking the Colts against the mighty Buffalo Bills, but they don't, they really don't have the seasoning yet. But listen, if you're a Bills guy, go and get in on the Bills and fade Jeff Schwartz. People love to do that. It's uh, a lot of, 
It's fun to fade me. It's minus three dot uh, com slash uh, excuse me, fanduel.com slash minus three. Uh, that's where you go make your bets. Yes, people love to fade me. It's fun. And we, we will have a segment, if possible, today where Giants fans uh, have been fading me in the internet all weekend. And we'll, we'll roast some Jeff Schwartz a little bit later. So I'm looking forward oh, to Eddie, yeah. Eddie finding some Giants hatred of Jeff Schwartz on Reddit. Eddie Spaghetti is mad at both of us because he feels like we're biased or we don't like his teams or something or we're trying covered. to upset him. Both of teams him. covered this weekend. He should be happy. Good teams win. Great teams cover. The smart play is betting football on FanDuel. I've been doing it all season long. So is Schwartz. So is Spaghetti. I hope you've been joining us along. Um, it's easy to use, easy, easy to register, fast, fast withdrawals, all that stuff, range of betting options, player props. Schwartz likes one that he's going to get to. Um, some futures, live betting, odds boosts like I've mentioned, so on and so forth. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. But the important part is that you use the promo code MINUS3 so that they know that Jeff Schwartz sent you along and that you're fading him or you're jumping on board with him. FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three. Um, And we're going to dig in on all the games here. You just heard where Schwartz and I are coming down on uh, on the Bills and the Steelers. Where shall we go here, Schwartz? I guess the big question is from we fans, Eddie Spaghetti and myself included, to you, practically. Everybody's yeah. talking about, well, Kevin Stefanski's out. First of all, I'm surprised that the line doesn't move more when the head coach is out, along with what a lot of people like you, Schwartz, call the best yeah. offensive lineman that the Browns have in Joel Batonio. But I'm surprised I only moved two points off of that. Either yeah. way, explain what gives. So they're in January now. Yeah. Obviously, we know what his coaching philosophy is, but how does it impact the game practically on Sunday night to not have your head coach okay. there or in so, contact? And by the way, do you buy that? Is there no chance? Like how how would the league police if he's texting whomever, uh, right? Uh, they they would, right? I think it'd be tough. I mean, you'd be, would, would the head coach be on the sidelines like, oh, shit, like, oh. Oh, well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. You have, to, you have to text like the GM who has to radio to someone. It's a lot of happen. They should let Stefanski call the game. By the way, they should find a way to do it. We saw Herb Street set up for the uh, calling the uh, the Clemson Ohio State game. Like they can have that for Stefanski at his house. It's very. Simple. What is the know. what is the logic behind it? It's some weird. Um, like he could be online and be I think, fielding I think a, I, ideas from you that, and Eddie Spaghetti about what play to call. On I think my guess three. is that he gets different camera angles than everyone else gets on the field. And he would be able to be able to see things differently than anyone else would be able to see is my guess about why that's a problem. Uh, you know, he, he, he could look up different things. I don't know. He could have his stuff in front of him, all his notes in front of him. I don't, I don't know. His tenancy charts. I, I guess he could have different things in front of him, but I think that's pretty silly. So here's why it's a big deal. So, there's something called a first 15 in the NFL. We we talk about that very often. It's a first 15 set of plays, and everyone does it a little differently. Some do the first 15. There's 15 in a row. I actually have mine from 2013 right here. I wrote it. Can't Right here. So 15 plays in a row, all right? And those are your first 15. The normal down and distance. This is from 2013, by the way. Andy Reid's first game as Chiefs head coach. I actually have my, one from 2009, my first start ever. I kept all my notebooks. It's right down there. Um, and... It's first 15 normal down and distance, right? First and 10, second and seven. Um, uh, third down is not normal down and distance. So you have an, you have your first 15 plays and you have your first third down plays, your first goal line plays, your first red zone play, all that stuff. So the point of the first 15 is, couple, is a couple of things. One is that it is designed to get your offense started kind of fast, right? We, we have plays that everyone knows we're running. We know what look we're going to get. 
We're confident in these plays, and we're going to have a variety. We're going to have some runs, some passes, some bootlegs, some screens. Like in this one right here, we have we have a, a draw, a screen, a trap, uh, a play-action pass, a naked. Like that's what the point of it is, right? Is to get your offense in a rhythm and a flow. Secondly, is to see what the defense gives you. Every one of these 15 plays typically, different formation. So you have this formation. Okay, how's the defense respond to that? Then later in the game, we can run the same formation but run a different play. Okay, so coaches gather information. They switch out personnel groups. They switch out formations, whatnot. So those are the reasons why the first 15 is so important. And that will be scripted by Stefanski in, heading into this Sunday. So Alex Van Pell, I believe, is the, the play caller, will not have any problem executing the first 15. But what makes a play caller, in my opinion, special, besides the first 15, Andy Reid, like, is the best in the NFL at this. He's so good at it is it's play sequencing, right? It's not just calling the plays. It's thinking ahead of what you want to do after you call said play. If you ever notice an, an offensive coordinator, they're like, you know, they they call a play. They barely even watch the play in front of them. They're already thinking about the next play, the next play, the next play. Because that's what it's about. It's finding the rhythm of plays. It's, okay, we ran this earlier. Let's run this now. We ran this earlier. That did not work. Let's do this now. And so it's about the sequencing of plays. And when Stefanski's not there, you, in theory, aren't going to have that same sort of set of flow in your offense that you would normally have, right? It's calling the bootleg at the right time. It's calling the run at the right time. Without him there, you won't have that. And so that's a concern, in my opinion, with the Browns offense. But so, that's just the play calling part of it. Hope that made sense. Long, but I hope it made sense. No, it, it it does make sense. But I go back to the idea that, like, what what delusion are we operating under that Kevin Stefanski wouldn't text somebody in the in the coach's booth upstairs and say like run this instead this is what i'm but, seeing i mean but how but how i don't how care would, if he does I mean, by the way i don't mind that he uh, that he would it seems byzantine that it would be like can't have that there's some voodoo he's going to be able to work from his house I, I, I just think that like by the time he texted in it's too late <laughs> like there's no like there's no it's just too i mean he might now look i think it's all fair that he might text in his like halftime thoughts He'd be like here's what i here's what i see or maybe the quarters he texts somebody like i think that's that Again, probably illegal, but maybe it happens. I don't know. Um, the bigger illegal. Loss them, the, the bigger <laughs> loss for them is Joel Batonio being out, their left guard. So Joel Batonio is an all pro, most likely all pro. I talked to all, a couple all pro voters. They like him for that position. He's definitely a pro bowler. He's the longest tenured. Is he the longest tenured Brown too? Is Something like that. Yeah. Like he, finally, he finally makes the playoffs. He got the game ball on Saturday, on Sunday. Obviously can't play. It sucks for him. Um, so he's out. And the problem is, for most teams, you don't have a backup all-pro to put in the game. And against some teams, it doesn't matter. But against Pittsburgh, it does matter. Because Pittsburgh has great interior def defensive linemen, Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt, who were rested, by the way. They did not play last weekend. And we've seen this year when Wyatt Teller, the right guard, did not play, who's their be the, the best right guard in all of football this year, that, that their offensive line suffered. We haven't seen it because Joel has not been out. So with Joel being out now... It's like, uh, it just to me, the offense is deflated. It's not going to run the ball as well. And here's the deal. Here's my favorite bet of the weekend. Baker Mayfield under 234.5 passing yards. This is, this is in my, I hate using the word lock. I like this one a lot, okay? I like this one a lot. What, no, Dave? I, I just think in it's 2020. Or, in fact, in, it's not. In it's five, 2021. In, in, I mean, what people, what, what, Pro QB throws for under that in any game at this point. In five games against the Steelers in his career, Baker Mayfield is averaging 176 yards per Sweet game. Sweet Jesus. Last, last weekend he is had that right? Yes. Last weekend he had 
196 yards against the Steelers. Earlier this season against Pittsburgh, he had 119 yards in that game. Um, you know, he's feasted the last five weeks on really bad teams. Philly, Eagles, 204 yards. Houston, 132 yards. Like, he is not, he doesn't, he, yeah, Washington, 156 yards this season. Um, the reason why he struggles against them, Dave, is because of the pressure applied upon him by the Steelers' defensive line. So he's played five times, Pittsburgh. He's been sacked 16 times in those five games. That's eight more than the next team, which is the Ravens. They just pressured the shit out of Baker Mayfield. They got what well, they didn't have. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they they had two it in there, obviously. And the emerging Alex Highsmith really looks good. That really looks like yeah. a, a, a great pick people, at OLB. Pittsburgh people said when, when Bud Dupree went out, they thought they might be okay. Yeah, he really, yeah, he's been uh, he's been more than adequate as uh, as Dupree's replacement. You still don't, still don't have an answer for the lack of speed in the middle there with Devin Bush yeah. down. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. But you talk about pressure. You know, I talk all the time about the curse of Sposta. Yeah. That when you're the team, when you have the extra weight of being expected to win. Well, now you don't have the other head coach against you and the history of dominance one side is the hammer the other is the nail especially in games of significance how much then you see you hear about like that some of the browns you know they they got the covid obviously joe hayden's out and eric ebron's out on the steeler side of things but they have covid and their their head coach isn't gonna be out there and some of them are hanging out with RuPaul dragging or something like that. I don't know what that's about, but um, anyway, are they, is this a letdown? Did they, did, is this the the damning result of low expectation for the Browns that the goal was get into the playoffs, let's celebrate. Sports Illustrated has a big layout about 18 years to get to this, to get to the playoffs. What are we doing? What are we celebrating really? Um is it do, is there a sense, do you suppose, if you're the Browns, like, well, we did what we had to, whatever, or are they now liberated to play free and easy and the Steelers bear all the weight of expectation in this one? I feel like it's about even this game. Like, I don't think there's like an expectation in either side. I mean, Pittsburgh obviously the favorite. Um, I think there's expectation that they've they've been the share of the Browns now for 17 years at home. Um, but I, I do think that trends like the Steelers being the Browns 17 years at home are trends for a reason. There's a reason why this franchise has dominated. And it, it takes a lot of extra work for the Browns to overcome. They've heard that all week. And when things start going poorly on Sunday, if they do, it's like, Oh shit, here we go again. Right. They're gonna, I agree with that. Again. I think if, if the, if the, if the Steelers jump them early, yeah, it will be over like it was in the first go round in Hines Field yeah, earlier in the season. Yeah. When Baker threw, they the will, they, they, they'll, they'll just they'll just be like, "Well, listen, great season, everybody. We'll see you. We'll, we'll see you for training camp." <laughs> how, how nervous are you about this game? I don't like to talk about that as though me on my couch um, is going well, to I mean, impact you're, you're the emotions. You're a Steelers fan, like like this is the Browns. It's your rival. You've dominated the Steelers, them. They're, they're not I'm our right. rival. No, I I don't consider them a rival. Oh, Baltimore, when, when, okay, right. Well, they're not a rival when you when you always beat the team. Fair, it's, fair it's not a rivalry. Um, the uh, I, I I hate to say it, but I you know I, the Steelers should definitely win this game. I expect them to win this game. Um, I, you know, outside of getting cute um, early on and maybe having some bad turnovers, they really should be able to to take care of business. And I'll say this: here's what I anticipate. Um, oh, one other thing about Stefanski, though. Doesn't he owe it 
to his profession to just lay down because if, if they win the game without him, then he's essentially Wally pipping his entire, his entire trade, like what the entire profession. Why? Apparently we don't need to pay these guys $8 million a year because we can win games without them on the sidelines on game day. So I think he owes it to pro football head coaches to, to, to just lay down on this one, take a dive. Kevin owes it to lay, he owes it to lay down. I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make it that I I, I want that to be true. Now, um, so he needs the Eagles, he needs the Eagles, the game. What, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll have time for that in a minute, too, uh, to kibitz about that one. What I really do think is, and I don't want to sound like cons- a conspiracy theorist, except that everybody else sounded like a conspiracy theorist for the last six weeks or so. I think Roethlisberger, and I, I think it bears out with the way he's looked and everything, all this talk about his elbow and his knee and all that kind of stuff, a lot of a lot of speculation about that stuff, starting – in the Washington game, which they should have survived, but they had some pass drops and they had their backup kicker in there because Chris Boswell was out and they weren't confident in him. And on fourth and inches, they threw the ball to to the rookie running back and all that kind of stuff. They should have survived that game to get the 12 and 0. Coming out of that game, I think they got comfy, too comfy, Roethlisberger leading to Feekner, leading to Tomlin. I think there was a sense of all right, I'm not 100% right now. No worries, though, because we're safely going to win the division. We Then they beat Baltimore the following week. They had enough to barely survive that game. I think they get through – or I'm sorry, was that the other way around? I guess it was the other way around. Um, right, they beat Baltimore barely, then they, right. then they lose to Washington. Either way, I think that they feel like off of the Ravens game, all right, we're going to win the division. That's in hand now. We don't have to worry about that. Let's just under all uh, to, to the exclusion of any other concern, seven ain't taking any contact no matter what. Like, I mean, as we've talked about, he not only wasn't sliding. I mean, he was locked down in his spot for the point seven seconds. Oh, yeah. He would hold the ball. He would get the ball and he would throw it. If it was third and 22, he was still throwing it underneath. He was yeah. under no sir. Then. And I, and I think that's a, a philosophical issue with um, with the team is that they don't feel compelled that to, to they'd like the one seed. But it's like, hey, you know, Coach Tomlin's rhetoric goes a lot like, hey, we're in the tournament and, you know, all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you need the buy, man. You get like 19 of the last 22 is not coincidental that 19 of the last 22 Super Bowl participants had a buy. It hasn't happened so, since since 2012. The 2012 Ravens and Niners, I think, were both without a bye, made the playoffs. Right. So I think whatever. So I think they were a little cavalier about that, but I think they felt we're safely into the playoffs now. The priority now is to limit contact because we have to have a healthy Roethlisberger in order to make hay come January. Fine. If you watch him, though, I think it bears out. If you watch him in the Cincinnati game and the Buffalo game and the Colts game in the second halves of those games, he does start to move around. He does start to look like old Roethlisberger. I don't mean old man Roethlisberger. I mean the previous incarnation of Roethlisberger. And if you look at it, I think I'm right. I, I, I know I've been saying that like a broken record for six weeks, but I think that that is now in fact proven to be the case. You see that Colts game. The last time you saw him, all of a sudden, when they had to have it, and it was backs to the wall, no more jive. Now we're about to, we're we're yes. really about to have to play in week seventeen, and have to beat the Browns to just win the division. Now, when we thought it was in hand a month ago, 
all of a sudden then he cut it loose. I was like, oh yeah, there he is. There, 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 there it is. That there's a different looking offense. Um, and you also saw hints of that, like I say, against the Bills and even against the Bum Bengals. So I think that this expectation that Roethlisberger is going to be the letdown or the weak link of this Steelers team, I think, is about to go away. I think he's going to erase all those concerns. The issue is that it shouldn't take till needing to win a football game to run a functional offense. Like, I got to see them come out and do this to start the game. Why can't they do to start the game? Why is Big Ben having to throw RPOs? Like, why is that not changed yet? The RPO does not work in your offense. I'm Stop saying I think it's them. going to – because I'm telling you, I my my hunch is – I, I don't know this. I haven't talked to Roethlisberger or anybody. Why haven't uh, you? I, I Well, listen, I've talked to as many people who are as plugged in as they can possibly be, and no one seems to really know. But if you listen to Tomlin and his pressers and everything, when people ask him, why did this happen in the second half and not in the first half? He's like, we, we did the same thing in the first half that we did in the second. It's like, no, you didn't. No, we, we, we have eyeballs. What are we What are we we're not paying attention, uh, Tomlin? I, I think – that I'm right because they they feel like all right like, we, we can mess around in Cincinnati we're gonna win this game and then it was too late to rally once they found themselves in that spot Deontay Johnson the week before in Buffalo wasn't catching passes so they sit him down and as it happens they did kind of rally until the defense could make a stop on third and long in the fourth quarter and if they had who knows how history um, now uh, now is rewritten there I I, I hear you I think the answer is that you're going to see that full 60 minutes kind of uh, philosophical approach that you saw against the Colts in the second half. I hope so. Then obviously we would do great with our bets. Well, true enough. True enough. What about the the Bills game? Do you feel like any, how many playoff games did you play in? Three. Three? Really? I didn't well, know I it was that in, many. I played in two. I was part of a third one as a practice squatter. Which, which uh, ones did you get out there for? So the well the, the practice squad one uh was the um the long six interception game against the Cardinals. I was on the sideline for that one. No first way year, yeah, first year with the Panthers, yeah. We scored the first drive of the game, dude. I remember like the the ever Panthers were waving their towels. We come out, we score first drive of the game. We were the two seed. Arizona was the fifth, right? And so and so we get out there like we're like, you know, we went twelve and four. And we 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 had we had lost the Giants near the end of the season. Remember, and Tom Coughlin always says this that his 2018 was his best team he ever had. But Plax shot himself and kind of like that kind of slid down. That kind of slid down after that. Um, we we so we went up to New York. I was like, I was on practice squad. I didn't travel, but we lost a very close game to the Giants. So we, I think our whole team thought, okay, Giants were the one seed. I think that year, right, Eddie, 2008. We were. Is is that the year the Eagles went and beat them in the playoffs? The Giants that year were like eleven and one or something like that. A stretch where they were killing teams, like yeah, scoring a ton of points. Himself, right? And then, yeah, I think ESPN did a thing. They ranked them like the fifth best regular season team of all time. Like they yeah, were like an awesome. They were really, and and yeah. Coughlin will tell you that too. So I, th- I think that year the Eagles went into 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 the Meadowlands and beat them in the playoffs too. Like a really ugly game in two thousand eight. So okay, so none, none less. So his Panthers were like, sweet, we're gonna like we got this right. We played the Giants close. You get Arizona, Kurt Warner, like. He's the, 10 years after he won with the Rams, like Delome, we come out and score first drive of the game. Then Delome threw six interceptions and then we gave him an extension in the off season. So nicest guy ever, but who the other game I played in, I didn't play much in this game um, was uh, Minnesota. The year Adrian Peterson had 2000 yards rushing. We beat the Packers in week 17 and then went to Lambeau on Saturday night for a playoff game. 
Um, and we got our butts whooped because Christian Ponder couldn't play. His elbow was hurt. Joe Webb came in, lost 27 <laughs> to 3. That's right. But yeah, I see even people, I, I forget that Christian Ponder did play relevant snaps in, in, in the NFL. I always assumed that that, that that never happened, that he just busted out so abjectly. Well, he, didn't play, he didn't play that game because he was No, hurt. I know, but I but I remember that, like, oh, yeah, yeah. they were, like, actually a halfway decent team with Christian Ponder. Well, I think a lot of it was Adrian Peterson. I mean, we, you know, I get he it, rushed for 2,100 okay. yards. It wasn't like Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, right? It wasn't like there was a, a joint venture. It was very clearly Adrian Peterson. I played some wacky playoff games, and the last one played every snap in this game – was uh, 2013, Kansas City at Indianapolis. Wow, we're, you played in three iconic 21st century postseason we're up, games. We're up 38 to 10 and lost that game in the third quarter. And a couple of moments from that game that I, I remember. First of all, we lost every player we had on that team. Like we lost, we were, we were our third running back in the game. We were down to, we had lost, Dwayne Bowe broke his foot last playing game, but Donnie Avery got hurt. We lost Justin Houston that game. We lost three of our cornerbacks. Like we, we came in the game kind of beat up, and then we just lost everyone. So if we didn't even beat the Colts. We were going to New England the next weekend. They would have beat us to a living pulp. But we're up thirty-eight ten, and I was thought it was over. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh shit, let's just ride this out, go to New England, and then it's thirty-eight seventeen, and our goal all game was to not leave Robert Mathis basically on an island. Dwight Freeney had retired already, and we're like, look, we're not gonna do it. Uh, but there was one play we had in our offense, which is a good play. We run it all the time where you, know, you fake the handoff and the quarterback kind of half rolls and sits in the pocket. And so in that protection, the tight end is on the, the DN and then an offensive lineman kind of helps inside and pops back out to help the tight end. Well, it was the only game, only time in the game we had one-on-one Mathis against, against a tight end. And the offensive lineman, it was no fault of his, but he couldn't get back there because he Robert had beaten our tight end so badly. Alex Smith is just like holding the ball there, you know, jerking it off and gets hit, fumbles, and now it's 38-24 like in a heartbeat. And then, of course, Andrew Luck, you know, picks up that fumble, runs into – I mean, how, how – Eric Berry sticks Donald Brown, like a great hit, ball fumbles up in the air, and Luck just picks up and runs in the end zone. Like, what the fuck, man? Already two touchdowns for Brown, and they get it to him again. Oh, he's- And so, um, even the last play of the game, Dwayne Bowe was out of bounds by like this much on fourth down. And um, we lost uh, 45 uh, 44. It was just brutal, man. I hate the Colts ever since then. Is there, people always talk about and people debate, and I don't care. Like, I think people are are playing with words when they're like, there's no such thing as momentum, whatever you want to call it. Um, I completely believe in the notion of whether the word momentum is right. Don't you feel that it, doesn't it become like some close cousin to the curse is supposed to like, well, at that point you're supposed to win the game as it starts to slip away. What, what's the sideline feel like? Does um, it is there start to get to be like a real nervous energy collectively? Yeah, I've talked, I've talked like, to guys when you're pulling the upset in the playoffs and you're in there, in, in their joint. I've talked to guys on the Jaguars when they were upsetting the Broncos, whatever yeah. year that was forever ago. Yeah. At, you know, Elway's best team, you know, another one of those best teams. That, again, the curse is supposed to, when you're the prohibitive favorite and all of a sudden like, oh my God. Well, we, I don't think we were even the favorite that weekend. I mean, we're on the road. Like, I mean, it gets, you know, it gets a, the Colts won the AFC South that year. Uh, I remember the feeling of like, of like, oh shit, we better score on offense. <laughs> like, just like we kind of just, 
stopped scoring. We, we scored at will. And like Alex Smith threw for 400 yards. I mean, like we were scoring at will. Then we just stopped scoring. And part of it was we got hurt. Like Jamal Charles got hurt on the first drive of the game. He got concussed. Then we had, I think, Niall Davis come in and he got hurt. And there was one play toward the end that kind of summarizes the difference between like a starting quarterback, starting running back. And a, I think we had, um, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was Cyrus was in the game, uh, third string running back. And we had a wheel route for him and it was designed, the play was designed for him. And Alex just missed him by like half a yard. That's Jamal Charles. He catches it for a touchdown, right? He's faster. He's just faster. If it's Niall Davis, probably caught for a touchdown. We had a running back that was just a tad slower who Alex probably had never thrown this ball to ever in practice. Third string running back probably never happened. And if it's Jamal Charles, we're off to, he was wide open, touchdown, like game's over, right? We score, game's over. But just the difference between like the starting running back and the third string running back is just that half a step. And that, like that type of stuff is kind of overlooked in a game. But I just remember being like, like shit, man. Again, I, I think we got our butts whooped in, in New England the next weekend, anyways. But I would have been nice to win a playoff game. I mean, that's the thing about it too. Is like it's hard to win playoff games. It, it, it's the the and, and people ask me like, why is that? Like, why is it so different? I, it's because in a in a seventeen week season, you know, your mind can wander, right? In practice, in a, in you know preparing for a game. You know, oh, we're playing an easy team this week. Let's, you know, we're not going to focus just quite. You know, of course, it's not on purpose. Just that's human nature, right? When you got to go through the motions on season. In the playoffs, though, because you finally reached the playoffs, and, and in the NFL, it feels like out of all sports, anyone can win, even though they they they, they typically don't. But it feels like anyone can win at any weekend, and even a seven seed this year, like the Bears, or like they think. They have a chance in New Orleans. They're 10-point dogs. They're all week. We're going to beat New Orleans. We're going to beat, here's, here's how we're going to do it. And players believe it because it happens all the time, okay? Or really not in theory, actually, but there are upsets. So everything you do in playoff week is heightened, right? Your your your, your preparation is a little bit more. Your weightlifting session is just a little bit better. Your practices are a little more crisp. There's a little more attention to detail. And that's why I think we see, like, you know, the Ravens, for example, the last couple of years, when they play against a good defense in the playoffs, it's a little different, right? They're a little more focused, a little more energy, a little more ready to go. And look, we've talked to Ryan Clark about the playoffs before. Like, that's how it is in the playoffs. It's just a little bit different in the playoffs. And so that's why, you know, it's like, it's just a different, it's a different beast. Well, I mean, a lot of different things. I want to get in on this Bills game and why we're both picking it. And it doesn't have to do with the voodoo of Sposter or anything. It's the practical matchups that ultimately probably, although, I mean, when these people try to talk about like, oh, you know, that that, that it's like fan uh, fiction to think that certain guys feel pressure, but other guys don't. It's like, that's is that true with all your friends that some people react differently under pressure? Like, I, and, I love, I mean, of course I they do. Of course, I, 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 some people do. So it's the whole Michael Jordan thing. Like, who wants the ball in the clutch? Uh, the, the, that is kind of a separating factor, but I do think there are practical reasons why I'm taking the Colts and I'm surprised, kind of that you're taking the Colts with your year-long campaign against 17 Old Man Rivers. I'm surprised that so you think they can survive it. So okay, go, let, let, let's do it. Let, let's go into it because I think that's our yeah. – both of us, that's our big upset. And by the way, I'll say this, what is not an upset, even though they're the road team, I think we're both on the Ravens this week, we, right? We are both – yeah, we're both on the Ravens, yeah. Um, let's hit the Bills first. So okay. when you look at this weekend – it never goes chalk, okay? Someone no, has doesn't. to lose. Someone right. what? Right, I right. agree. Right. Someone has to lose, okay? And let's look at the games. Let's throw this game out of it for a second. I don't think it's, I don't think it's Pittsburgh. We talked about it. Even then, like, is it? It wouldn't be like if Pittsburgh's offense just doesn't show up. 
No, the Browns can win that game. It doesn't feel like a grand upset, okay? Tampa Bay going to Washington would be an upset, but Washington offensively just doesn't have it right now. I'd be very shocked. Chicago can definitely beat New Orleans. New Orleans has failed the last two times they played home playoff games, right? So it's not, but they're 10 point underdogs. It didn't feel very likely. Trubisky is awful, okay? Terrible. Terrible. Worst quarterback in the NFL under pressure. It's not going to be, it's not going to They're be not going to pay him right. By the way, nine and a I, half, like you I, say, total on that one is 47 yeah, and a I, half. Let's I, get it out of the way while I, we're doing I, I, it. I like, bear, I like the Bears under their team total. So whatever you can get, I got 18 and a half. That to me, look, Trubisky this year hasn't faced a defense better than 14th in defensive DVOA. And even then it was like, it was a, a couple teams earned the season that weren't as good. Um, and New Orleans defense is fantastic. I didn't think that this could be the blowout of the weekend. I really do. I um, don't know. Yeah, I, I I hear you, but the nine and a half feels, feels it's a, weird. Look, it's, a lo- it's a lot. It's good a defense. Lot. I don't know what Michael Thomas, right. uh, you know, Kamara uh, and so on. It, it, that feels like a, a heavy number, but the Saints certainly have to survive this game. And by the way, the Bears are one of the two teams that I will list that make for a bum Super Bowl. We're in great shape to have a dandy Super Bowl matter oh, almost no matter what. And the Bears are not going to go to the Super Bowl. They're not going to win three straight road games. So spoiler alert. So they're not going. But I will take the Saints to survive. But of all the games, that's the one I avoid more than any other. It, it, just with the number on that nine and a half, I don't I know. Agree. That, 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 I agree. That feels heavy. I agree. It's it's not a great. It's not. Let's great just keep number. going here, and we'll okay, we'll, so, we'll wind up okay. back in the AFC. Yeah, Tampa, so, so, Tampa, so, given eight and a half. Yeah. So um, again, Washington, I think can win this game, but I think more things have to go right for them than a lot of other teams in the NFL. Right. Basically, they have to just harass Tom Brady to the end and score 21 points, which is hard to do. I like first half under in this game or Tampa minus five for the first half. Washington, 8.5 points per game in the first half with Alex Smith. They don't score in the first half of games. They score when they're forced to like throw the ball down the field, which they don't want to do ever with Alex Smith. And Tampa's going to start slow. It's the best defense they play in a while. They're very physical front seven. I think Tampa wins the game. They're a great teaser option, right? You take them down to two, two and a half. Um, I think Tampa wins this game, but the, the game just kind of starts ugly and slow. What do you think? I hear you completely. I, I feel like this is one of those games that you don't really remember three years from now. That it, it, this is one of those playoff games. Like, yeah, what? Ha- oh, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, remember when they played Washington in that wild card game? It's one of those that that will that. It, very few people will re- recall where they were when that game was played. And by the way, it's going to be a hideous uniform matchup to boot. Um, total on that oh, one is right. forty. Oh. 44 and a half is the total on that one. I think I, I think that they win it by double digits. Uh, the Bucks do. Um, and I think it feels kind of breezy by game's end. I think you're looking at Tom Brady kind of smiling and sitting, I, I think by the, by the, the end of the game, there. it's a blowout. That's fair, yes. Um, but you know what? Maroon 4. By the way, did we hear that, everybody? Did we hear Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football drop a maroon four so casually? Uncredited to Damashek. I'm not worried about it. My my uh, my gift is it being made popular um, for this next generation here. But Al Michaels used maroon four, Damashek's nickname for the defensive front there. Um, I, I by the way, I can see those guys stealing a game. We talk. I I talk about that endlessly for the last decade. That in the 21st century. Heating up the QB is one of the tent pole requirements for a team that's going to win the Super Bowl. 
they just don't have any other of the factors that you would need to actually make a long playoff run. But at least they do have that ready to go. And they're, that Washington team, if they can figure out a QB, and I know people are crazy. I think I'm crazy for this. I, I do like the Cam Newton to Washington noise. That's not a terrible idea, although there are a lot of quarterbacks out there. Speaking of quarterbacks out there, well, go ahead. I don't think Rivera would do that. Really? I mean, you think I, he's? I think he could have done it this year and didn't. Um, Touche. Yeah, good point about that. So anyhow, Seattle is playing host to the Rams. Six weeks ago, this looked like what would have been a juicy round three now with Jared Goff playing with JPP hands or um, – or going with the with the backup. Here's an idea I floated out. By the way, the Seahawks are giving I three was, and a half. I was in the training room with JPP the entire year when he was rehabbing his hand. I was doing my ankle. And could you make was, jokes? Oh, he made jokes himself. Like he really? Jokes, oh yeah. Like what? Uh, did, did he say he's like the best defensive end with seven fingers or something like that? Did he? Did he say that on Twitter one time? I don't know. I didn't know that yeah. JPP had a sense of humor about his infirmity. He, he, he did. He did. And it's dude, it's in person. Looking at it, it's like, oh, Greg Kennedy is still playing, man. Good for him. Well, if Brian Baldinger will hold up his crooked finger, I guess Baldy can. I mean, uh, JPP can uh, make jokes about. <laughs> anyway, Seahawks three and a total is forty two and a half. And I guess I get that. But here's my crazy idea. Why is this so bad? This guy, this guy who they're going to run out there, why? for real, explain to me why you couldn't just say, like, hey, big idea. We're signing Dwayne Haskins for the weekend. Wouldn't that guy give you a better shot at winning this weekend right off the street and ready to go? Doesn't? Why would that not be a better option than this guy? John have you seen, Wolford. Have you seen Dwayne Haskins throw the football? I don't. I don't care. Have you seen John Wolford do anything? I mean, the, 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 I know, come on. I, I'm a pedigree. I, I know we're. I know we're supposed to watch every single game that is ever played in the NFL. Um, I didn't watch much of that game this weekend. Like I had the Rams, Cardinals. There were other games. I had the eight box going on Directv, kind of just like peering around. That game just. I don't want to watch a bad Arizona team play a team with no quarterback. So uh, maybe we'll go back and watch it today. I know. I know people were happy with the way he played but they also didn't score a lot of points right and they didn't play the seahawks defense like you need to have a guy who can do more than run the football and play action pass every now and then as a quarterback so uh you know we've seen golf make plays before i think that you just have to hope golf comes back uh even then i guess i, I, I even I, I then mean, even then um i don't know if if that matters in this game. I, I think there's not a lot of points scored. This is an ugly game. I like the under in this game. Why? What is your assessment quickly on why the Seahawks offense just suddenly started to, you know, not not only return to earth, but it's it's I mean, who would have thought that? Talk about the length of a football season and how how long it feels and the ups and downs of it. I mean, the Seahawks were unstoppable. Like, oh, Russell Wilson. I mean, it was it was like uh, September fourth, and Russell Wilson was anointed the MVP for all the deep balls. What yeah. what's going on? So uh, I have it right here. Um, the first eight games of the year, Russell Wilson was averaging three hundred and seventeen yards passing per game and eight point six yards per attempt. Um, and now, since week eight, he's averaging only two hundred eight yards per game with six point four air yards per attempt. Uh, I think what happened is a couple of things. One is that remember. The start of the season, he was on fire, but the defense was really bad. And then he went through that three or four game stretch where he threw a bunch of turnovers. And I think he just like pulled back again. Like, ah, you know what? Defense has gotten better. 
I'm going to kind of go back to what I normally do. We're not going to take a lot of deep shots. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to push the ball. If, if you look at his numbers too, the, the deep intermediate passing has gone way down. DK Metcalf's numbers have continued to drop way down. Has um, anybody, have they figured, has the league figured something no, out just, about I Metcalf? Think that they, I think the offense kind of pulled back. I think it was a, a conscious decision to pull back. And that's why I like the under this weekend. The Rams defense, guys, best in the NFL at, at defending the deep pass, best in the NFL defending the pass in general. They have Aaron Donald who terrorized the Seahawks. Uh, that to me feels like the play uh, to make here if you're looking at this game. Because, uh, you know, as we're taping this now, we don't know if golf is playing. Hard to, to give you a side without golf playing. I know, but still, I don't care if it is Jared Goff. We know he's not 100%. How is the number only three and a half? Doesn't it feel like it should be bigger? Which then makes me feel like I need to bet the Rams because it seems so obvious that the Seahawks, three well, and a half, now, is all I mean, they're given. I, I think now is the wrong time to bet the Rams because this was five. That was time to bet the Rams. I mean, you if this gets under three or three, you bet the Seahawks, I think. Um, I mean, I just I I, I can't con- well, I can imagine the I just I what I can't imagine is ultimately January Russell Wilson isn't gonna rise to the occasion. And I'm not one of these, I even though I just give gave a borderline conspiracy theory about Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers offense holding something back for the last month. I just I, I I don't think Russell Wilson has some gear that he's been holding back on for the last month or anything, but the moment and otherwise, this seems like it suits the Seahawks more than it does the Rams with a yeah, with probably. an injured Jared Goff or a John Wolford and his hipster mustache. And Spaghetti, you watch that Rams game. I mean, I, to me, it seems like that's a bad match. Okay, Wolford can run. Great. Go, uh, uh, so can Bobby Wagner. So that's a bad matchup for a running QB. Yeah, he could run, but Jared Goff can't at all. Um, and uh, yeah, I did watch that game weirdly. Um, and uh, Boomer, who filled in for Romo, was uh, doing a really good job talking about like just the mindset of Wolford and then what uh, and, and what the Rams could do to help improve him in that game, which they ended up beating the Cardinals with. And he was pretty impressed with some of the throws. He made a really nice throw against the sideline to Robert Woods, just dropped it in there. And like we mentioned, the, the speed, like they had designed runs from I'm not saying he's going to be Russell Wilson 2.0 versus Russell Wilson but I don't think it's a miserable idea if Goff is not close to 100% there's no reason to rush him back uh, if you could somehow pull off this game versus a Seahawks team that's not scoring the ball, uh, scoring points anymore and the defense isn't you know, lights out like it used to be if they could just ground and pound and control uh, Russell with their defense like just let Jared Goff be healthy in the week after I, I don't think it's that bad of an idea um, Schwartz, do the Rams, by the way, while we're on them, then we'll move on real quick. Do you think there's any chance they attempt to figure out how to work their way out from under Jared Goff? I don't well, know how you would thread that needle, but I'm sure Les Snead, well, I, I mean, well, there's I no imagine, doubt he regrets that deal. I imagine he would. Um, but I is that know. plausible at all? I don't think that you really can. I think that's Pro- the, probably not, probably not this year, probably next year. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, you know what? I'm also just like the Rams uniforms just suck. I'm so uh, they're not the blue. That's the, see the issue is everybody wants to just be as negative as they can be. But as the uniformant, I owe it to you and to myself to be more nuanced in my takes. The blue is wonderful. It's Dodger blue from way back. You know, from 50, 70 years ago. And I don't mind the off white, the bo- the so called bone. What, what it's the combos that are no good. They don't, they aren't doing good combos. One, 
And two, the gold, a.k.a. the soul, as they call it, the S-O-L, soul, the sun. It, it ain't right. It looks a little bit too highlighter yellow to, for my taste. If they'd gone a little deeper with the gold, they'd be in great shape. It's just... I can even deal with the gradient numbers. I, it's it's the it's the color of the gold and the combos. Like I say, if you're gonna go with the if you're gonna go with the blue jersey, you can't go with the white pants. They don't look right. You got to go with the gold pants. Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like there's something with the helmet. Just that's not quite. It's too like blue. Like it's too. It's just kind of no. It's a nice blue. That you're wrong about that. But the uh, but the, the, like the blue they like the old uniforms. That color of blue, loved it. Well, this have is to, a little no, different. No, no, no. You're wrong. Completely wrong about that. The remember, the old I, helmet I color the, was ugly. Remember, it was dark remember, blue. I, I am we're, the we're, original. We're plagued, we're, we're plagued by navy now. We're we're in a navy plague in pro football. Too much, too much with this junk. It, with the everybody thinks that they're cool. They, that they flip some switch of being bad boys if they wear black now. So that so this this is a a, a, a terrible trend that's existed for twenty years now. I think we should cap at it like three teams like the Raiders can do it the Steelers can do it and the Ravens all right I don't like it you your grandfathered in you get to wear it everybody else cut the jive Falcons looking at you I uh remember I am an original uniformist as well I was at Oregon we were making uniforms I was there at the start we were we were every week you were a passenger I'm a driver I'm the driver of the discussion about what helmet to wear for that week, we were at the Is beginning of this. We were at the beginning of the switching uniforms, like going out in yellow, coming back in and wearing black for the game. We were Holy the original. I didn't originals. know you had access to those levers to that sort of juice. We were the, we were the originals. No, we they didn't ever talk. They didn't listen ever to the offensive linemen. So, partly because whenever offensive linemen told them he wanted to wear a singlet jersey. Like a wrestling singlet, but make it a jersey. And that's probably the last time they ever listened to us. Like one entire, like the pants, like one singlet. And I, I'm sure it's the last time they listened to us. We don't have time for that. We can we can talk about it. We have a whole off season. All right. But I, but I do say, come on, NFL. We've got too much Navy going. Who did the Titans? Oh, and the, the see, this is an issue, again, that we'll, we'll do a deeper dive on later. But within your own division, you got to at least look at your division foes and say, how are we going to look? twice a year when we match up against these other three teams and if you can't handle that business then i don't know what like titans how do you wear navy hats when you already have the the texans in in the league when you play in the division when you play each other it looks it's it's so boring it's hard to stay awake to even watch you with the the navy on navy fat now Baltimore, speaking of the Titans, is going into Nashville to play those Titans. A lot of people very excited. A lot of people want it really is kind of a um, a, uh, a Picasso painting, I suppose, the, these Tennessee Titans, because there's a lot to like, but there's a lot to not like. But the truth is. I'll just say this because I'm a broken record about it. they don't play defense. So I don't know what I don't I don't know what there is to really get too excited about the Titans, except that, you know, 12 months ago they went to the title game. That just because we have that evidence doesn't mean it repeats itself this year. And again, the big difference is the reason that they beat the Ravens more than Ryan Tannehill, obviously, if you watch that game, more than um than Derrick Henry, less obviously. It was Casey and Simmons just doing something that uh, apparently nobody had done to that Ravens offense all season long. They shut it down. They panicked. The Ravens offense did. 
And that was that story. That's not going to happen here. And the defense that's ready to be had is the Titans. As I say, I'm taking Baltimore on the road. They're not a, they're, they're a road favorite plus three right now. Total on it is 54 and a half. Um, I will go, I will go under this one because I think that the Ravens, the reason I like them, as I have said all since they lost to the Titans a year ago, a one-year phenomenon, what that offense was able to do. It is still difficult to handle, though, the Ravens' offense. The thing I like about the Ravens so much is as they are, as the playoffs are arriving, that defense is getting healthy. It could be the most dominant in the playoffs. Maybe the Saints are better overall defensively. But on the AFC side, the diff, the puncher's chance that Baltimore has isn't because of Lamar Jackson. It's because the defense might be able to shut down all comers, including the Chiefs. How say you? So, and when I say shut down, don't don't come at me, Chiefs no, fans. I'm not I, I think the I think the over the over is a good play here too because I think the over in, in Titans games. Often, I think it's it's hit in like fifth in like eleven of their games this year because they're terrible on defense. This is why I'm taking the Ravens too, guys. The Titans are by far the worst defense left in the playoffs. They're they're one of the worst in the NFL in third down. They're one of the worst in the NFL in in getting pressure on the quarterback. They're one of the worst in the NFL in scoring and rushing yards. They're one of the worst in the NFL in everything. The Ravens are really good on fourth on third down by fourth in the NFL. And I know people will point to this game earlier this season. The Ravens lost. Sure, they, they were up 21-10, turned the ball over, lost. The playoff game last year, they, they, they were 0, 0 for 4, I believe, on fourth down, right? Can't win many games being 0 for 4 on fourth down. Um, I, I think what is um, – what what to me is the difference between Baltimore now versus then, even then when they played the Titans, they, 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 they changed on the fly, guys. It's pretty impressive to see what they did. So for a long time, that's what the offense was. Tight ends, fullbacks, run the football. Kind of condensed formations – we're going to run it at you. We don't care how many people are in the box. Now, if you've noticed, it's spread everyone out, still run the ball. But now, with everyone spread out, more room to pass the ball, more room to play action pass, more room to do other things. And so I have some numbers to, to back this up. Uh, and I'll also team. say that that has a lot to do, in my opinion, you know better than I. I would say it has something to do with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, being a little more versatile than yeah. Mark Ingram, and uh, I, I love uh, I love um, Gus the bus. But um, by the way, I mean he's your third string runner. That's great, or I guess he's your second string runner at this point. And still, Justice Hill is is buried yeah. somewhere deep in Baltimore. But anyhow, um, um, so but yes, Lamar since since he's been back on COVID from COVID, he's averaged eighty six yards rushing. But here's where the improvement is. This is the most important thing. Um, he's completing uh, 16% more passes over 10 yards, over 10 yards. And his air attempts have gone up by nearly six yards when throwing, you know, when trying to throw over 10 yards. Like he, the, the offense has opened back up again. And this is the wrong defense to stop that offense. They can't do it. And to your point, Dave, the Ravens defense is getting better. All I need in this game is like four stops by the Ravens defense. Four stops. That's all we need. Four of them. I think the Ravens will win this game. So I like Ravens minus three. If, you know, three and a half, I might take the Titans at three and a half. But at three, I think I take the Ravens. Also, look, Lamar over his rushing total, 68 yards. Also, what's to be gleaned? I mentioned the Tennessee game, and then the Ravens offense struggled for at least half the season, or at least until Lamar Jackson came back. They really um, were up and down um, until the last month here. Um, and then everybody 
you know, as soon as the Titans beat them, myself included, referred to Brian Flores and Bill Belichick shutting down the Rams' unstoppable offense in that Super Bowl, and then the Rams kind of went away last year, point being that you can copycat what teams are doing to take away the thing. How much can be learned from the Packers just silencing silencing Derrick Henry two weeks ago? Is is it now like is there a sense that well if you're if if you have the right pieces that doesn't that doesn't have to beat you anymore. Derrick Henry ain't gonna beat you now. I don't think he's gonna beat you anyways. Like I, I don't know why this is. I, I, it's funny because well, he did it because he did it a year ago. He did it to the he well, did it okay. three times over. He beat the Patriots. It wasn't okay. Tannehill. See, but, who did no, that. but here's here. But here's the thing, Dave. Let's look at last season. Okay, how many? Do you remember how many points the Patriots scored? In I mean, the Titans scored on offense in that first game against the Patriots. No, twenty-one. Fourteen points on offense. That's it. They scored on defense at the end of the game, if you recall. So 14 points in offense. Or, yeah, I think it was 14 points. Because um, it was 14-13. You remember the paths were driving down. Uh, uh, Edelman dropped that pass, and then like the offense went to shit, and then you know Brady threw the interception at the end. They lost 21-13. The next week, they scored 28 points against the Ravens. Um, and a bunch of those were short fields. Ravens turned the ball over, short fields, boom, play action pass, touchdown. So it's not like Derrick Henry was the reason why they won these games. He's great to but have. It was, but it was like that old school, you know, yeah, the, the, margins aren't, the margins aren't crazy when you're playing that kind works, of effective sure, run, run, run kind but of offense. But that only works if you stop the other team from scoring, which the Titans right. don't do very well. And right. look, I, again, last weekend, Derrick Henry rushed for a lot of yards, but guess who had to win him the game still? Ryan Tannehill throwing basically a Hail Mary at the end of the game won them that football game, right? It wasn't like... It was like Derrick Henry ran down the field. So in the end, and I said this the other day, and Titans fans are like, Ryan Tannehill's more important than Derrick Henry is to that team. So if I'm the Ravens, what I'm going to do is try to limit Ryan Tannehill and let Derrick Henry run because I assume I'll be up too. Now, obviously, if you're down 14 points, it kind of backfires on you. You're kind of screwed. That's the problem. Well, that's that's the thing to me is that if you're, again, we uh, it's the other thing is with the Ravens always like, well, we don't come from behind. Well, you're going to get behind in football games that, that, as, it, as it happens periodically. As long as they don't go down 14 nothing or 10 nothing, uh, the Ravens are going to win this game. And then I, if we're both right that the Bills lose to the Colts and we're assuming a great deal, but if that did happen, then that would what you're, you're, you're uh, a Chiefs whisperer. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but your brother's on the Chiefs. Who do you think that they don't want coming to town more in the divisional round? Who, who who is like with our feet up for a week and watching and everything? Because I feel like if the tight if the Ravens would have caught the Titans a week later, they would have won that game a year ago. But they got jumped somehow, and they were surprised. Like we're fourteen and two, we're gonna truck this team, and they were surprised by it. I who do they want in the division around more? What, what team if things break just so for them? I I think they. I know the Ravens is the easy answer to say here because, but their defense, the Ravens does not play well against the Chiefs' offense like what the Chiefs do. I think it's the Colts. They don't want to see the Colts because the Colts' defense rushes with four, and we're going to talk about the Colts in a second. They rush with four and get home with four and play zone coverage, which is what the Chiefs are not good against. And they run the football, which has kind of been, again, it, it, listen to me very carefully. You don't have to run the football. Like the idea of like shortening the game up, right? Giving the Chiefs less possessions. That's not what running the football kind of means in my in my book. It's if you have a lead, you can finish the game out. 
It's not just like removing possessions early game. It's just having a lead at the end of the game. You're are you're able to finish the game out with the ball in your hand. Um, I think it's the Colts. I, I think the Colts. I know we'll, no one's going to think that because of Philip Rivers, but if the Colts win, they are actually the best matchup for the Chiefs. The Ravens are are good, but the Ravens defense pressures too much. Like the, the Pat Mahomes is eating the Ravens up now every single time they play because that defense does not match up well with the Chiefs do. Teams are playing differently than they were or the 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 um, how effective they are at what they're trying to do is different than what it was eight weeks ago, let alone 12 months ago. Uh, again, everybody that, well, Derrick Henry, why, why, why won't that just happen again like it did a year ago? The team that is built, to your point, to do what the 2019 Titans did is the 2020 Colts. That defense is also potentially dominant or maybe not dominant because they, the thing that is spooks me a little bit about getting too hip on the Colts. And, you know, I was in on them from August on, I really like this Colts team um, is I don't know what's going on with the back end. The teams are throwing over them a little bit too much, but Jonathan Taylor is Derrick Henry, right? I mean, potentially can, can, can do that. And don't get crazy with me about generational talent and everything. I'm just saying that the effect could be the same that you have this big young back who you can give the ball to 25 or 30 times, if uh, if that's what you want to do with it, and I don't I don't buy that ultimately that the bills are going to be able to stop that from happening to them. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. So the last I have and I have oh, I, we didn't even talk about this. I got all this. I got everything right here, buddy. Everything for Fox Sports. I wrote about all this stuff. So since week 11, Jonathan, why didn't you write about it for me and Spaghetti? What why do what, what do you need? Oh, because Fox Sports. Uh, you I'm paid on this thing to talk, not write. Uh, if you pay okay. me to write, then I'll send oh, you my notes next time. Okay. I'm hey, I'm I'm at will contractor, man. Just to throw me some money and you'll get your work done. Um yeah, let's let's talk let, let's talk also about the professional stuff. Let's talk about uh, in 2021 wearing a goatee on purpose. Who does that? Goatee, right, spaghetti? You're hip. I mean, I my brother People don't have goatees anymore. There's one person my that has there's, there's only one person whose opinion matters on this. And she still sleeps in the bed with me. So that's, that's all good for you, Schwartz. I, when other guys make fun of your clothes, like, hey, well, as it happens, I'm glad that, I, you know, your opinion, you're welcome too, but I ain't dressing for you, friend. Anyway, like, so go when, ahead. Whenever everyone tells me, like, why don't you shave your back here? I go, I, I, first of all, I can't see it. Doesn't bother me. And my wife doesn't care. Why, do, why should I care? So, okay. Touche. Okay, proceed. So since week 11, Jonathan Taylor is averaging 123 yards per game and 6.2 yards per attempt. We've seen this year that when Buffalo has struggled in games, when teams run the football against them, and that's what the Colts can do. They run the football. The, the, the Bills' rush defense is not, is not that great. Phillip Rivers and the Colts' offense, by the way, last eight weeks of the year, 30 points per game and almost 400 yards per game. I know we like to make fun of Phillip Rivers. He does Phillip Rivers stuff. I get that. But he will not, the moment will not be too big for him. Right? He's done this before. And, and I'm gonna go. There's not a lot of fans there. I get that. The moment will not be too big for him. But on the other side, here's why. Again, we talked about all these games this week, and this is why. Again, I don't think Buffalo loses the game. I make that very clear. But I think if you're looking for value in a money line, it's this game right here. On the flip side, the, the, the Josh Allen is fantastic on offense. We, we, I'm not denying that. He's on fire. He's ready. The Colts are 11th best in the NFL generating pressure, and they blitz the, the least amount, second least in the NFL. So they get home with four. And when they get home with four, that means that the, the back end of the defense can just kind of sit and stay in front, not let Stephon Diggs 
Beat them. And can I interrupt too? I feel like, and maybe dumb kind of simplistic thought, but isn't Darius Leonard kind of like the perfect guy to spy him, yes. to spy Josh Allen the whole game as a as a four, uh, as a fifth kind of, not pass rusher, yeah. but to not let uh, 17 break contain so, the whole game? Here's a couple other things I think to help our argument. When the Colts rush four or less, they only allow 54% completion percentage, and they have yet to allow a single touchdown this year when rushing four or less. That's incredible. Um Josh Allen against pressure. It's interesting. So, um, of course, like every quarterback against pressure, his completion percentage is down. But his yards per attempt are are above 15 yards per attempt against pressure. So against pressure, he's airing the ball out. He's getting a lot of explosive plays against pressure. Well, if the Colts aren't going to pressure him, he's not going to have as many explosive plays. I just think this kind of all plays into it. And again, the supposed to curse, right? I just saw a video of them dancing in the field during practice. It's all fine. It's all fine and dandy. I think the Colts are a real team, guys. And I think that this is the first game. It's a shaky's game, right? Your Sal shaky's game. Like it's it's a little this game's always a little funky. So I, I would put a little money on the Colts money line. We changed that by the way. It's now Shecky Shaky's uh victory parade. Because uh, I because I win the fantasy, but I win the oh, fantasy. Oh wait, so are you going banquet. To, so, That's oh, what you're, so you're going to, well, not this year. Oh, we can't. We can't because of COVID. But yes, we generally gather at Shakey's Pizza for the first playoff game and to award the trophy, which is now lost because, you know what? The cool cats, uh, the, our operation philosophically, we're not about the hardware. It's not about that. Is, 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 is That's that not why we do out, it. Is that when you throw out someone? No, no, no. You don't throw them out at the banquet. No, that's a celebration. The uh, you throw them out at the draft because, because <laughs> hey, so you draft, to prep for the someone preps for the whole for the draft. That's right. You just, that's right. Show I mean, what kind of nerd? What kind of at this point who prepares for their fantasy draft? Weirdos who show up with full sheets and all that kind of stuff. You you go from the gut. That's how Damashek gets. So his, when, his, so when his, they show up, you see once again. All so like, how does, how do you, fancy, your, you and your friend Mina Kimes, everybody with your fancy numbers. Damn shit, just works with a gut, and you know what? It works pretty well. I don't play fantasy, so whatever. Um, I'm just telling you in general. What do you? Go I team. just read you a bunch of numbers uh, that work just fine. Um, okay, well we're in lockstep as it happens here. What? Um, so the, I'm so curious. About, so you just so you're sitting around the the table, the kitchen, whatever, the couch, and you just say like, "All right, well, no, Eddie, you have to beat it out." No, you have to gather. Everybody, we gather in one spot. I did this year, though, because you, you, you all get together and, and sit around the table, and you cannot do it until everybody is there. The The best example of that was uh, was uh, John Hamm. It was in the middle of shooting at the height of Mad Men and everything else. <laughs> was running late because he was directing the episode as, uh, as well as uh, obviously starring in it. And he was directing. We're like, well, we got to wait for Ham. Got to wait for Ham. And finally, he showed up, and the uh, the winner of the previous season announced, uh, "John Ham, you're out." <laughs> he raced over from from some fancy Hollywood set, gets in there like, "Oh, we've been waiting for you." He orders himself a beer. <laughs> All right, Ham, you're out of the league. And it, the look on his face. Now he'll rewrite history about it and make like, I don't know, I I didn't care like. When it happens to you, you always care. It always hurts real bad when you get kicked out of the league. And uh, this year, because we couldn't gather in one place, um, I had uh, 
Bill Simmons's uh, favorite baseball player, Fred Lynn, when he was growing up, Fred Lynn, uh, come on cameo and uh, and kick Simmons out of the league. Oh, it was the I, heard, league. I heard about it. He talks about that on his podcast all the time. How he's like, I'm not upset by it. I'm, I'm not upset by it. I don't care. I want you to kick me out. I don't like fantasy anyway. And then, he, and then he does it, and then he just like, oh, pissed about. It. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start a I'm gonna start a rogue league. That's how little I care. I'm gonna start a separate league. I have Stop. to you gotta be to in it in and say you losing the trophy is is pretty disrespectful. Oh, who cares? It's a dumb trophy. Probably trophy. the league cares. Well, they do. Is it how did you lose an entire trophy? You know what? As a as the perennial champion, I've won three out of four years. I mean, I don't know. Short, you follow sports. Does that count as a dynasty? I'll leave that to you. I'll I'll leave that to the hot takers out there. Um, but I can tell you this much: it ain't a Lombardi Trophy. It's a you know, it's a it's a trophy. But that's uh, it's neither here nor there. When coaches say, "Hey, that ring you got, no one can ever take that away from you." Point of fact, coach: they can take the ring away from you. What they can't take away is the championship itself. That's how Damashek and the Cool Cats operate. Anyway, please, let's get back to um, – so we're both in agreement there. Spaghetti, you're going to take the Colts. I mean, you're going to take the Bills, though. I mean, it's I, not crazy. I would say to take the second-best team or the team that's been playing the best of anybody in the AFC. Buffalo and Baltimore, I guess, are the two teams uh, in the AFC right now, including the Chiefs. They, they have not been great. I you guys spoke a lot about it so quickly. I think this is the best game of this weekend. Uh, the the Bills versus the the Colts here. Uh, my my and teams know the Bills aren't great at running the ball. It's all about Josh Allen. It's all about Stephon Diggs. He's arguably the best receiver, at least in terms of numbers this year. Um, I my brain goes to if it's late in the game and the game is close and and if one team was to be down, you'd probably rather it be the bills because you trust Josh Allen more to come back. And that's where it comes to me. Like, I just don't see Phil rivers at his advanced age and his uh, limitations to get this team back in it. The bills have to score points quick. Allen could throw it six yards down the field to Diggs uh, or one of those receivers and they could score quickly. I just trust them a little bit more in this game, despite Jonathan Taylor, who I was wrong about hand up. I said in this pod before that his vision was miserable and he's turning around. So good for him. And they have a good young receiving core, but I just, I, with that offense, I just still trust uh, the bills offense a, little, a tad more. Who did tell you about uh, Jonathan Taylor getting ready to explode along with Michael Pittman, Dave Damashek, that's who. Um, and as soon as I said that, I inspired them. I lit a fire under them and they've taken off and the rest is history. By the way, this is going to be the greatest 17 v 17 matchup in the history of pro football. Phil Rivers v Josh Allen in a playoff game, the greatest 17 versus 17 matchup ever. Um, and uh Back to where we started here, Schwartz, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Five and a half if the Browns win this game. Let's go through that very quickly with our reasons why. I, this, I, I think this is an instructive exercise to do, and we'll do it very quickly here. Pittsburgh Steelers, the Browns win this game because why? The Steelers' offense just sucks. It's that simple. Like, like they, they just turn the ball over. Okay, the Bills win this game because... I'm going against our own picks. Oh. We're, we're, we're in lockstep oh. on, a, on, the Bills on all. Game. Yeah. The Bills win this game because they're just on fire right now, and the Colts can't stop them. Okay. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't know what's up with the secondary. It seems like they're uh, giving up some big plays. Um, the Titans win this game because? The Ravens choking the playoffs again. 
Oh, see, that's where Sposta starts to get you. When you have pressure and you're Lamar Jackson now, you need a win. Lamar Jackson needs to get that stink off him If he doesn't win, there's legitimate talk in that building about, is this the way we need to go moving forward? Ooh, I like that. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, well. Three straight years of losing the first round in in the wild card round? And you think, by the way, because I've gotten a lot of pushback for saying, I don't know that the Browns definitely are excited about Baker Mayfield. People say, oh, they're not going to pick up his option now. Like, uh, is this I think, a certainty? I think that there is, I think there is a legitimate discussion to be had with the Browns organization if he's your guy moving forward. Well, I mean, and a lot of that is based on what happens this game, too. I mean, if he, yes. if he stinks it up against pressure, I mean, how much faith do you – hey – Baker gets it done as long as the other team doesn't pressure him. Then he's great. Like, I mean, that that's not uh, a successful operation going forward. The Rams win this game because. Uh, Jared Goff comes back and the defense suffocates Russell Wilson. The Washington football team or whatever it's called. I don't know. Alex Smith channels his inner Tom Brady and just plays the best game of his life. And the Bears? I mean, we're talking straight up here. I think the the Saints just, they just have COVID and don't show up. All right, Schwartz, let's jump to CFB because we will not talk to you before Monday night. Ohio State plus eight and a half at last check. Total on this one, 74 and a half seems crazy. Um, Unless you watch those final four games. Um, a few days ago, you know that that's completely plausible. How say you, Schwartz? I think Alabama covers this game minus the eight. Um, guys, they're really good. Uh, and they kind of just took it easy in the fourth quarter of that, of that Notre Dame game once it was very clear they were winning that game and they were the better team. Uh, Ohio State, I think, was um, uh, very well prepared to play Alabama, to play Clemson. State. They caught them a lot defensively, Clemson shifting, rotating, moving. Uh, obviously, the motivation was there as Dabo kept bashing them and telling them they sucked. And right, Alabama's doing none of that this week. And like, I just feel like you got COVID now at Ohio State. I think they're going to try to play the game Monday. Who's healthy? Who's not? Uh, I, uh, Bama, best offensive line in the country. I think Bama wins this game going away. Um, we can talk about this at a later date, too. But it, college football is getting really weird, like worse than Major League Baseball in the late 90s in that it's consolidated powerhouses are now down to like three and a half. And if you ain't one of those when the season kicks off and based on who they're putting into the playoff now and everything, what I mean, it, the desire to track an entire college football season for it to ultimately land on those same teams that are predetermined in August is, uh, is getting to be a little unsatisfying, I must say. Um, but I'm with you. I think uh, Bama houses some pretty good there. Double digit victory there. Spaghetti. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that last night when I sent the rundown, it was uh, an eight and a half spread. Now it's uh, it's seven and a half, which I mean, come huh. on, Alabama is not going to win this game by touchdown two point conversion with Jalen Waddle, who's going to be a game time decision. And they don't even need him, to be honest. And yeah, great for Ohio State. Great game versus Clemson. You got like Chris Olave back, who's going to be uh, in that game. He was a threat. But now you're he's playing against Pat Sertan. And then you have uh, the, the Ohio State D line's great. 
but Alabama's a top three offensive line. And what's funny is you see Justin Fields, like his pass yards total was 290. I was like, oh, it's, it's pretty high. And then you look at Mac Jones, it's like 365 and a half. Like, I mean, come on, they're the Alabama's going to house them. And it's a good story. They beat Clemson, Ohio State, but this is this is a, a, a squad and a half. It's Alabama is just too good. Last thing for you fellows is um, Schwartz. I brought this up on extra points. The Heisman Trophy still has allure because it's the Heisman Trophy and the cool pose and everything. You know, who gets it since Jason White and Toretta and so on and so forth. There's so many guys that it doesn't it's not an indicator of future success or anything. It doesn't have the same luster except for the fact that it is a cool looking trophy and has a name and all that kind of stuff. Conversely, the most popular sport is pro football and the best player in it gets the MVP. And yet you can't summon who won it as easily as you can who won um, the Cy Young again because it doesn't have as cool a name. Who should the the NFL MVP trophy be named after? Oh, good question. And what um, would the pose be? Oh, geez. The pose should be. Hmm, it, has to, it has to be a quarterback, right? I mean, because it's like it's basically quarterback award at this point, and I think it's actually should be a sloppy sloppy offensive lineman (laughs) who has the candle body, candle wax body, just kind of like skinny up top and just kind of like melts down. Um, That should be the the in a singlet uniform, which we talked about earlier in the show. Um, I mean, look, so like what the the it's in the NBA, it's what the Larry O'Brien, no, the Jerry, who's who's the name? Yeah, it's the Larry O'Brien, right? Larry O'Brien. Um, Lombardi I mean, Lombardi is cool and sleek. Larry, Larry O'Brien is basketball. There's is there an MVP? You should mention it. there's no the MVP award's not named after anyone in any major sport, is it? Hart Memorials, the NHL. Yeah, the uh, NHL has all the cool name stuff, except that they're trying to blow and make uh, all their st- yeah corporate uh, name stuff. I, I think I think that it's it either it has to be the uh, the Tom Brady Award. Mm. I guess that's hard to argue with. You know what? You could go Aaron Rodgers. That's not too bad. Spaghetti, you think it's got to be a QB as well? I mean, it's it's and this is what you want to be called the, the Eli. We're not naming it the Eli. It, it should be just Eli's face. No, I don't. I don't want it to be a quarterback. It's boring. It's always a quarterback. Same thing with the Heisman. I mean, this year it wasn't, which is cool. I, it's boring. That like how how can you convince somebody who watched football for these past years with Aaron Donald in the league and, and he just does not gonna, he's not going to win one. I mean, yes, quarterback is valuable for a number of reasons. You like your team's success is probably related directly to that player, but you're going to tell me the Rams, like they would give up Jared Goff or they'd give up Aaron Donald. So there's valuable and he's been the best defensive player for X number of years. It ha- like they have to figure out this award somehow and change it up. I kind of agree. And it's funny that you can get offensive player of the year and then also award an MVP, but who's more valuable non QB than Aaron Donald. They don't go to the playoffs, the Rams without Aaron Donald. I see that, but TJ Watt has to be your defensive player of the year based on numbers. It's more of a numbers based award. I, I don't know how you take it away from Watt kind of as a two year body of work too. He's been so dominant in terms of sack totals and otherwise. Um, so anyway, We'll see where T.J. Watt and company are come Monday morning. And uh, as you get ready for the college football title game, hopefully optimistically they get that one in. And uh, and then we will be back with you to break it down before the divisional round and tell you what's going to happen in that one. But in the meantime, make sure you're making all your bets with FanDuel.com slash minus three. 
the word minus the number three. And remember, 25 to one, any team to win in the wild card round. Get in on that, new users. And again, fanduel.com slash minus three. Make sure you're listening to um, to extra points. And Jeff Schwartz, like he mentioned, is doing uh, all sorts of stuff with Fox Sports these days. Make sure you're reading his work. Make sure you're also listening to Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Anything else you want to plug there, Schwartz, besides your finger into your ear? Um, no, all my podcasts are good. We've exceeded my time limit for talking in one consecutive hour. Oh, I noticed. He's on his cell phone. He's thinking about food. It's ridiculous. All right. Uh, so we will kibitz with you after what is sure to be a wonderful weekend of football action. One of the three great weekends on the sports calendar. Upcoming, one of the four best uh, uh, on the sports calendar, along with the first week of uh, of college basketball tournament. The still my favorite is uh, the divisional round, and then what used to be the uh, New Year's Day bowl games. I'm now just talking a lot because I know Schwartz wants to go, and so I have to extend this as long as I can. But all right, we'll uh, we'll keep it with you. I hope your team wins, unless you're playing my team. We'll keep it with you next week. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti, Jeff Schwartz. Thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.